We are very blessed to hear word of God through one of our uh, ministers of the local church, and we are thankful for God for providing men of God. And we're going to turn over this place to our to our uh, brother and minister Isaac Barrera. He's going to bring forth the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord? Man, even better with AC, man. It is, it is hot outside. And I mean, sometimes in my, where I live at, it's hot as well, as too. So we've had to buy a fan and we open up the windows and the blinds and get a nice little breeze, amen? Another benefit as to why we come to church, man, for the AC, amen, that God knows our need. Um, so with this, if you can turn your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 1. Um, we're going to read from verse 11. Um, we're going to finish off chapter 1 today. Amen. I do want to thank Pastor for this for entrusting me to bring forth the word of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to read just verse 11 and 12. And verse 11 goes as follows. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For neither received it from man, nor was I taught it but but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us go for Lord in prayer. Lord, we come for you at this time, my God. We ask you, Lord, to open up our hearts and our minds, God, to receive the word you have for us this afternoon, my God. That it may, um, God, that it may transform our lives, God, and you may anoint my lips of clay, God, and be a vessel that you use for your honor and for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. <coughs> I'm going to try to make good of the time that we have here. Amen. But it is interesting that um, we, we notice Paul, right? Paul's a famous person, a famous figure in the Bible. Paul is credited with writing a good portion of the, of the New Testament. Um, but right off the bat, when we notice that Paul has, re- has written these letters, right? And we always say that he's written the letter of, the re- letter of Galatians to the church of, Gal- of Galatia. Um, but just to clarify, like I passed it in the Spanish service, that he wasn't necessarily writing to a specific church in Galatia. And there was, mul- there was multiple churches, right? In most of the chapters, the, the letters he writes, he writes the, the, the letter to Philippians, the letter of not just one particular, particular church, but there was a multitude of churches, right? So he was writing to the region of Galatia in this, in this letter, amen? So we have to keep that in mind as, as we read chapter one and the purpose of why Paul is writing the way he is to the church of Galatia, to the churches of their, thereof, and because there was a purpose with why he is writing the way he writes it, amen? Now we see that Paul is making known of who he is to the churches, to the region of Galatia, right? He wants to make them known of who he is, man, because they had an idea of who he is, and we'll get into that later, but he wanted them to know that he was writing this and he knew about, about Christ, and it wasn't something that was taught to him, amen? It wasn't like he wanted to do a special type of schooling to know about Christ, amen? We, we will know that that Paul was, was from Judaism, right? He was born of a Jew. He was of a Hebrew, amen? It wasn't something that, that he taught, amen? In the time of Paul, he did not have the privilege of the, of the New Testament, amen? Like most of us here, we have our Bibles, and the Bibles have, are comprised of 66 books, two, two testaments, right? All Paul had was the first half, right? His, his Bible, you may say, was incomplete at the time, amen? Mostly, like, right, if you go... Um, there's some people that pass out, I think, the orange little Bibles. It only goes up to, like, a first, like, to Malachi and stuff like that. That's kind of about what he had. And he gets out the Torah, the first five books. Then it says Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's all he had. 
man, it did not include what we know as a New Testament about the, about the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection, and all the other things that, that we find in the New Testament. Amen? So in that case, we are privileged to know that, amen? To have that revelation that Paul did not have at that time. And, and that is very important that he did not know this by a man. He did not get taught by this man. But rather not, that we see in, in verse 11 that he was not taught from, but in verse 12, it says that he was received it through revelation. Amen. And you will see that the word revelation comes upon many different times in the New Testament. That it was revealed to him. Man, even in Peter's time, when Peter was walking with Christ, it says that man, and when Peter realized who Jesus was, he says that man did not tell you this, but the Spirit was revealed it to you. Amen. And the reason why we are here today in this church is because we, re- we had the revelation of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the reason why we're here. It's through a revelation that we have. And that is the same thing that Peter had, that there was a revelation of what he had. And what he is saying in chapter 1, it's not his opinion. And that's one thing that I was taught growing up, especially from from my grandfather, was when you preach, you do not preach your opinion. And that's very, that's something anybody that takes the pulpit has to be very careful of what they say. It is not your opinion, right? It's not a persuasive speech that we're trying to give you. To persuade you and manipulate facts and things like that and or go to your emotions, right? It's not my opinion. What we preach from the pulpit, it is that which is in the word of God. Amen. And that is where we come from, right? That is that is where the power comes from. It's through the word of God. It's not based on my opinion or the emphasis that what are put on certain things. Amen. Because you will know when you talk based on your opinions or when we when we speak based on our thoughts, we can make mistakes. There is erroneous thoughts that we have. Maybe based on our, our emotions and how we feel at that time and contaminate or what we say. But if we base ourselves solely on the revelation of the word of God, it will always direct you to truth. And that because it has no revelation, it, ha- it has no things for feelings, but mostly just strictly with the word of God. Amen. And that's, that's what we have here in, in the Galatians when it comes to Paul. And the reason why Paul is, is saying this is because Paul Needed the, needed the people of Galatia to understand who he was. They needed to know his ministry that God has called them for. Right? They didn't want him to, did, he did not want the people to think that his ministry was contaminated by any, by any other nature that someone has taught him incorrectly. But whether or not he wanted them to know that what he, what he is preaching has come from that of revelation, that it came strictly from God. Amen? And we know that that uh, that in the in the New Testament says that great is the mystery of the Godhead, man. Great is the mystery of God that all these things that come it comes to the revelation of who God is, amen. And we see that the people knew who Paul was, and if we can go to um, Luke chapter ten, verse twenty-two, we'll click and we'll see what what it says there. Um, it says, "All things have been delivered to me by my Father." And to no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who, and who the Father is except the Son, and the Son to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Man, it's kind of confusing, right? We read it real fast, like, I have no idea what that verse is saying, right? He's like, like the Son and the Father. But we know that all that comes to Revelation, that if you know the Father, you have, if you know the Son, you know the Father, right? Because he reveals it to you. That's what Jesus says, like, whoever has known the Son has known the Father. Amen? So all this comes through revelation, and we understand that the, that the people, that Peter, that Paul had them, had to, had to have them understand that he knew what he was talking about. 
Amen. That we know that, and the reason why I'm getting somewhere with this, the reason why I'm claiming that they need to know who Paul was, because there was a change in Paul. Right? If you go in Acts chapter 7, we see that Paul was there when they first um, stoned Stephen. Man, Stephen is known as the first martyr in, in, in Christianity. He is known as the first martyr. Right? You will know that even in the history text, you will find out that Stephen was preaching the word of God, and they went and they stoned him. I don't know about you, but that's a very, very difficult way to die is by stones. And they would say that stones wasn't just like a little pebble that they would pick up from the ground. Stones that they would use would be these big blocks of stone or rock, and they would throw it to you. <clears throat> All this because he was preaching something that was different in the culture of the time thereof. And in, and in, verse, in chapter 7, verse 58, there's a, there's a name that is mentioned at the end. And it says that Saul stood there, right? And he had the coats of everyone that was throwing rocks and everyone that was trying to kill um, Stephen. And in chapter 8, verse 1, it says that Saul consented to what was happening or what was going on. And the reason why this is important is because Saul, at the time before he became Paul, was the man that persecuted the church. And it wasn't like he was the outlaw of the law. It wasn't like he was doing things out of order. Paul was doing what he was commissioned to do, what he was trained to do. Everything he did, every person he persecuted, every person he allowed them to execute to stone was by law. It was legal. Right? That's why he, everywhere he went, he always had letters carried with him to show proof that he can do the things he was about to take, to take action in and to murder people. <laughs> Man, that, that's, that, that is what we find in Paul. And this is the person that is now writing to the people he was persecuting, the people he was killing, the people he was stoning, the people who was sentencing to death, he is now writing to them that he believes the same thing that he's believing, that they believe. But in order for them to really buy into what he was preaching, he needs to tell them that I got this not by man, but I got this through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's where we find Paul. And this is and this is a little history about Paul that we need to understand that of who he was and he and in his mind and in his concept, he was doing the right thing. The way he was brought up, he was doing the right thing. He was brought up this way. There was nothing wrong with what he was doing. But yet, <coughs> but yet at the end of the day, there was a change in who he is. And we can go to Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. And it says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. And in this word, and in this verse, it, it, it changed everything for Paul. <clears throat> right? How many people like to be liked? Anybody not like to be liked? No? Everyone, no one is here. Everyone, how do you raise your hands if you like to be liked? If you like people actually approving of you? Right? That's the reason why we post stuff on Instagram, on Facebook, or anything else. You post it with the, with the expectation that someone is going to like your picture. Right? Every, most of the things we do, we do it for the approval of people. Right? We may try to tell ourselves that we don't care about other people's opinions. Right? Because if that was the case, we wouldn't get mad so easily. We wouldn't get mad that no one invited us to certain things, that no one did a good job. Because we, we don't do it for approval, right? But we do. Because deep down inside, we, we do things for the, for the approval of people. But in this verse, Paul is saying that when he pleased God, who, it says, who separated me from my mother's womb, Right? And we go back to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah says he knew him before the foundation of the earth, right? And it says that he has plans to prosper him and not that of evil. 
And the reason why this is so key is that sometimes we hear this verse and we know it by memory and we know the story that, yeah, God called me before my mother's woman and we hear it all the time. But it makes a difference when you truly believe it with the conviction that you were called by your purpose. Because that's what this verse is telling me. That before God created everything else, he knew me and he knew my name. And he has separated me. He knew what he had a path prepared for me, for my life, for my family. Even I was called by his grace and it wasn't by no one else's approval. What I wasn't looking for, well, if this guy is popular, then I'm going to use him. He knew me before, the, before my mother's womb. He knew who I was. <coughs> and the re- that's the reason why we are here. It's because God has called us for a purpose. And the whole thing about, our, about us as Christianity is that we are here with the purpose. We are not here by mistake or by accident. Everything is by design, by God. It is not by coincidence. The problem is that sometimes we are stubborn when it comes to the calling of God. Right? Because no one, growing up, no one likes to be corrected. Right? And I, got in, and I, always, I would think sometimes I'm too mature. I like to think I'm mature, but then something's happening like, oh, I'm not that mature. Right? Because no one likes to be corrected, especially at work. I don't like to be corrected or told that I did something wrong. And the reason I know that is because when I'm told I'm doing something wrong, I always have an answer back as to why I did what I did. I always have a, an excuse or a reasoning to defend my action. Right? As a kid, no one likes to be corrected. No one likes to be instructed on what to do, that you're doing something wrong and you should change what you're doing, right? But the word of God says, and First Timothy says that the word of God is there to, to, to correct, amen, to instruct people. And that's what, that's what this verse is telling us, that by the word of God that we are there, that God may correct us, that God may instruct us, that God may prove what is not good in our lives, that we may change it. And that's the problem is that when, when the verse says that he has separated us from this world, that he wants us, that he called us to do something right, we therefore, we believe that verse, we have to believe the rest of the word of God that says that when we read it, we may look at ourselves in the mirror and note what it is that we're not doing right and change what we're doing and understand that we're not following the will of God in our lives. And that's when we become stubborn because God has called us. The question should no longer be, am I called or what is my calling? Because the truth of the matter is you are called. You have many callings. Right? You're not just called for one specific thing. We're called to do multiple things. See, sometimes we, we, we try to box ourselves in into one calling. But in a matter of fact, we're called to do many different things. But the whole thing with that is, though, we need to be able to obey the word of God in our lives and be able to change the things that God wants us to change. Because at the, the beginning of the verse is when he pleased God. So our calling must please God. Our lifestyle, our actions must please God. And if we know anything about Paul and Saul, Saul before we became Paul, he did everything for the actions to please God. That's what he, the whole thing was to please God. And that's what we have to do in our actions, though. We need to be able to do something or our calling to please the word, to please God. And that's why Paul is saying, because it was revealed to him, now he wants to reveal this to others. And this is something, as I started reading more, especially in Acts chapter 2, of what it really means when we're blessed, when we read something, when we receive something um, from God. And I learned this, is that we were not called to be selfish. 
what you have, what you have. Because if you notice Christianity, or right, the religion of Christianity is, has like millions and millions of followers, right? But the thing is, how did it get so big? Right? How did it grow so much? Right? Because in Acts chapter 2, it says there was only 120 people up in the upper room. And it, and it would have been good for them to stay within the 120. That just, with this, just within us, that's where it's going to rely in. The Holy Ghost is going to rely within the 120. But then it says in Acts chapter 2, which day, right, it says that Peter preached the message of salvation. And it says that 3,000 were saved. So the 120 became 3,120 and then some, right? So it goes to show us that whatever we have received by revelation of God is not meant for me alone. That every blessing you have in your life, every testament, everything you go through in your life is not meant for you alone. It is meant for you to share with someone else in your life. You see, this is the part where we have to get mature in a Christian walk with God to understand that when you go through a struggle and you're going through difficult times in your marriage and you go through difficult times with your, with your kids at work, it's not just meant for you for that one occasion for God to teach you something just for you, but it's meant for when, when you get through what you're going through, you can go for it and tell someone else about what God has done for you through your struggle and through your situation. And that is what Paul is trying to do, that he is trying to tell someone about what it is that he, re- uh, what he has received that someone else may be saved. And that is a powerful thing about a testimony, to tell someone else about what God has done in your life. And that's what Paul was doing. That's why he wrote so many letters. He has so much things to give of what God has done in his life. Right? That's why in the old school church, right, back, back then when I was way younger um, and I was like half asleep because I was like five years old and everyone, like three services was like three hours long, everyone would give a, give a testimony but my parents will tell us that they will give testimony and it is in those testimonies that they will give that it will encourage other people, that it was through the testimonies of someone else that they were going through something, that they will be saved because they will say what God did in their lives and they look just like me and you. And like, well, if God moved in their lives, he can move in my life. That if their palm was that much bigger than mine, God can surely move in my life. And that is the power of a testimony. For someone else to be saved because there has to be a difference between us. And that difference is the revelation of the name of Jesus Christ. That is the one thing that separates us from the next church over. It is the revelation that is in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's when we find. And in, in, in Paul, when he writes this in, John, in Galatians 1, then in 116, it says, to reveal his son in me, that I may preach him among the heathen immediately, I conferred not with flesh and blood. But see, sometimes we wait for someone to tell you you're, you're called. Sometimes we wait for an opportunity in church for a pastor to give you a place for you to say something about God, what God has done in your life. We wait for an opportunity to get a mic. But it says when Paul says, I was called, and I didn't confer with anyone else whether or not I was called. I didn't wait for someone to tell me I have a testimony. Right? That's what someone said, I got a testimony. Right? That I, that I know, right? So when I look back over my life, I can truly say that I've been blessed. I got a testimony. I don't need no one else to tell me what God has done in my life. For me to tell someone else, for me to tell my coworker, 
what God has done in my life. But yet we wait so much for someone to tell me it's okay to tell somebody else. But it's time for us to understand that we are called, that we are called by a purpose to tell someone about the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Because there is power in that name. Because when we declare that name, something has to happen in our midst. Something has to happen in your situation. Right there, that's when we pray. We don't pray under, under, under my name. Because if you pray under the name of Isaac, nothing's really going to happen. Right? Or you pray under my nickname, nothing's going to happen. But if you were to solely pray and mention the name of Jesus Christ, something has to change in your situation. But that only comes through the revelation that there is power in that name that we serve a living God. And all that only that you will never learn that in a book in school. You have to have an encounter with God. And that's what we find and we read in verse 17 in 1 Galatians 1.17, he says, neither, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And when pastor was preaching this, it, it got to me. Um, because it says he didn't go to Jerusalem where, where the other apostles were at, wherever where the cool spot was at. It says he went to Arabia and then he mentions, the, and then he says something very key. And it says that he returned back to Damascus. And it reads, as we know the story of Paul, it says that he was on his way back to Damascus. And it says that it is at that moment on the road to Damascus that he had an encounter with God. It says that many people can discuss whether it was a horse or a donkey, whatever. I don't want to say he was riding on, but he was riding on something. And it says that a light hit him and he fell over, right? And he went blind, and it's at that moment that his life went a 180. I was going to say 360, but 360 means the same way. But he went 180, right? And he had an encounter with God. So the place of Damascus had a special place in his heart for Paul. Because before that, he was Saul. And Saul was a person of pride. He was a person that was on his way to persecute the church. And when he went to Damascus, he went back to the place where he had an encounter with God. <clears throat> and the reason why that's important is because for some of us who have been in the church for a while, we tend to lose, we, life has a way of kicking you while you're down. And, you, and, your heart becomes, and your heart gets hardened sometimes when people hurt you over and over and over. And you go through certain struggles and your heart becomes even colder. And then you go through more things and you don't think that God's really there with you. And you start questioning things, right? Because that's life is just hard, right? That's what people say, life, no one said life is easy or life is fair. And you go through things in your life and you really begin to doubt God and you really begin to doubt your relationship with God. And the one thing that Paul did, he went back through his encounter with God. And sometimes for some of us, we need to go back to where we had first an encounter with God where it wasn't just in church because it felt cool because everyone else is here and it's easy to worship God here. It's easy to lift up our hands because second to us, lift up your hands and we have your land and everyone else singing and it's, and it's easier to worship God here. But we need to go back to when we first had an encounter with God where no one else was looking and no one else knows what we were going through when we first fell in love with God. 
Because sometimes we say, oh, well, I remember when I first fell in love with God, I was on fire for God. And then life happens, right? And we use it as an excuse as to why we're not on fire for God anymore. But if we would just remember and go back to the encounter, to go back to where I, where I used to be, but when that one time where I knew when I closed the door to my room and it was me and God and I had an encounter, my life was forever changed. If I go back to that moment and I go back to know that God knew me, that God spoke to me in that moment, that I knew that God loved me beyond measure, that he loved me unconditionally. And that's what he had in Damascus. That's what you have to go back. You remind us, you know, I am called. He loves me. And that's why there is no replacement for prayer and for fasting and for consecration. And I know those are not the most popular things to, to, to hear, right? And I try to look in the Bible for, for, for you guys to give you something else to do besides pray and fast because we hear it all the time. But there's no other remedy. We have to pray and we have to fast. We need to have an encounter with God again. We need to have a relationship with God because that's what it's all about. It's to have a relationship so that we can have a revelation with God. The only way you have a revelation with God is you first have to have, in order to have a relation, you must first have a relationship with him. And so many, so many of us, we want a revelation before we have a relationship. And that's not the way it works. And this is why Paul's ministry was so interesting and so integral in moving the church forward. Because he was called like none of the other dis, dis, um, disciples. Because all the other disciples we find in the Bible all walk with God, all walk with Christ. Paul is the only apostle you will find that never walked with Christ. All the rest of them, they walked with him. They, they ate with him. They followed wherever he went. They went and followed the leader, right? They went with Christ. He's the only one that did not. And he had a revelation that was different from them because their calling, or what they thought was their calling, was one that was only just for the Jews, right? Because that's, all, that's where the, the disciples were. They were, they were Jewish. That's where, they, that's where they thought they were supposed to preach the, the message of Christ to was for them. And then here comes Paul. And it says, see, you're, you have half the picture right. Half of it, it's complete. Half of the revelation. Paul was the missing puzzle. That everything will open up everything. Because it says that Paul's ministry and Paul's calling, and, or who, were, who Paul was going to call to or preach to, was for that of the Gentiles. And this is why Paul is so important for us today. is because the Gentiles is me and you. Right? His message was for us so that we may have a chance for salvation. And, and that's, why we, well, that's why God wants us to take away our sense of religion and replace it that with the relationship with him. Right? Because it's very easy. The world likes to put us in a box. Right? Usually when they, when they tell you what ethnicity and stuff you are, you put a check a box in religion. It's either Catholic or Christianity or Christian, right? And you check the box. And the people there who protect their Catholic or the Christian and they don't go to church, they just, well, I believe in God, so I'm this. Right? Or they follow a certain tradition, and that's why they're Christian. Because when you come to church on a Sunday, it means that we're Christian. Right? And God doesn't want us to, to be formed, to be conformed to this tradition 
That's just you got to come to church on Sunday and you're okay. He wants to get away with that and wants us to go a little bit deeper. He said, yes, you could come on church on Sunday, but what about Monday through Saturday? What is it then? What box do you check off then? Because it's not about a form, a form of tradition, but it is more based on a relationship that you have with someone else. Because the more you know someone, the more you know their voice, the more you know what they, what they like, what will please them. But it takes work to build a relationship with God. And the whole thing is some of us need to be able to put in the work to be in a relationship with God. And I'm almost done here. We go to 1 Galatians 18 through 19, and it says, Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But, but, other, but, other, but the other of the apostles, I saw none, save James, the Lord's brother. And then in verse 20, it says, Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. And the interesting there part, right, that, that will shock people is in verse 19 that says that Jesus had a brother, right? And it wasn't like here in church to say, praise the Lord, brother, praise the Lord, sister, right? But we're not really related. Um, but in this case, it makes emphasis that James was the actual living brother of Jesus Christ. So we can put to bed there, right, for our own theology and the way we look at things, um, that Jesus actually had a brother in the flesh and blood, which kind of sense like that was actually his own brother in James. All right, so that we may know who, what it is that we actually believe in. Right? That's, why we don't, oh, we, that's why we don't worship the Virgin Mary right? Right? because she had a husband and she had went on to have other kids. Right? And we find that in James, that the, the apostle that he met James and that was the brother of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Go back to Galatians 1, and 23. And it says, And was unknown by faith unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past, now preaching the faith which was which once he destroyed. And this is the whole key between verse eleven and verse twenty-three. When we get to, is that I, I like to think about this when I think about Paul and how he, when he was preaching to the to the to the Christians there when he went up to them, is that Paul was a scary dude to them because every time they saw him. They knew something bad was about to happen to them, right? It, it wasn't like they were happy to see him, right? Like when, when, you get a, when you get certain a bill, when you get in the mail and you get some mail and you see a certain company there, you're not happy to see it because you know they're asking you to pay something. Right? They're not there to give you money. And, and I compare Paul um, to history, like history um, in, the, in the American Revolutionary War. It's a famous guy, famous writer. And his name was Paul Revere. And it says that Paul Revere was going, he would ride to the town. He would say, the, the red coats are coming. The red coats are coming, right? He was warning the people that the enemy's on their way. And I like to think of Paul the same way. That when they saw Paul riding, someone else was going to the town telling them, like, Saul's coming. Saul's coming. Because he knew it wasn't something, something good that's about to happen. And that's why in, in Galatians 1.11 it says, and he tells them that what I have received I have not received it by man, but I received it from God, right? And now they know that I come not to destroy them, not to, not to kill them, but I come to tell them of the change that Christ has done in me, that I am no longer the same person that I once used to be, right, man? And that's why, the whole, and that's why in verse 23, it says, 
in verse 24, it says, and they glorify God in me. And the question, and the whole thing about the testimony that we talk about, why they were so important for us to testify of the goodness of God and what God has done in our lives is to be able to turn everything back to God. You see, your testimony isn't meant for them to know your situation or your problems and, and how you got out of it. It's meant for them to know how God got you out of it. That every time we testify, every time we say something about God has done in our lives, we turn it all back to him. Because some of us like to talk, but we like to talk about ourselves a lot. Right? And, and sometimes we think, like, what is the point of the story? Like, you keep just talking about yourself and over and over and over again. And a testimony should not be about that. Our testimony shouldn't just be complaining of all, of all our problems. Our testimony should be about the power and the, and the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ. That we turn everything back to him because we know that whatever is impossible for man is possible for God. But we need to believe it. And the only way sometimes people will, will come to hear the gospel isn't through reading the word of God. There are some people in our lives that don't even know anything about the Bible, that haven't opened up a book, but they will know of God based on your testimony, based on what you tell them, based on your actions, based on what you have gone through, right? Because if people know that you're different, right, there needs to be a difference between us and the world. Not that we're brother, but that there is a difference. And they see the way we live, and they see that you're going through something, but you always have a smile on your face, Right? You can tell them that, yes, I'm going through some things and I don't know how I'm going to get out of, but I know the God that I serve is a, is a God of the most part of the impossible. And that's how they become to know about God. Sometimes we wait for them to come to church to hear about God. But what about on the way to church? Right? We can invite somebody on a Wednesday, but they can hear about God Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and, until they get here. Because it is through your testimony that they will know of the power of God. And I'm almost done. I mean, go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 and 7. It says, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. And here's the thing about Paul. Like I said, Paul, Paul was a prideful man. But Paul had a reason to be prideful, though. Like of anyone in the world that knew what he was talking about was Paul. Right? If you, right, usually we like to say, well, like, we would say, like, it doesn't matter what family you come from. But if it did matter what family you came from, Paul had that checked off. Right? If it mattered what family you, you came from, what was your background, Paul had that, like, in, in flying colors. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, from the original 12. It was him. And to take away from the tribe of Benjamin, Benjamin was a, was a son of Jacob from the son of Rachel, which is the one that Jacob really loved. You can say, I was from that tribe. Right? I was from that tribe. I was in the tribe where they took Benjamin in custody and they all went and bowed before Joseph. I was from that tribe. From the son they wanted to take out of Egypt, I was from that tribe. 
he had the family back, his last name or whatever it is, tribe mattered in Israel. Second of all, he was, if education mattered, he had that in fine colors too because he had money. He came from a wealthy home. He, his whole ambition was to be part of a council in, in, the, in, the rich, in the religion of Judaism, and he had the best teachers the money can buy. And if not, that wasn't only, but if he wanted to know if he was smart enough to retain everything, he had that too, because by that young age, he knew everything. The first five books, he memorized it. He knew it all. But Paul wasn't a dumb guy. Paul was smart. He was a genius. He knew everything from his history. He can recite everything it is that he wanted. That you wanted. He had it all. He had everything you can do. And it says he was blameless before the law. That you cannot find nothing wrong in his, kid, in his history. Right? In my job, we do Caldeo J's, right? And sometimes I was wondering, man, if I do Caldeo J, what will show up in my, in my history? I don't need nothing. I haven't done nothing wrong, man. I'm like, Paul. But he did, you could do a background check on Paul, Caldeo J, FBI, whatever you want to do on his background. He was blameless. Nothing wrong. Even when he persecuted the church, he was still right. Legally speaking, he was right. Everything, he had done nothing wrong. He was the ideal person in Judaism. He was it. And thus, if anybody wants to boast, I'll go toe-to-toe with them, Paul says. I'll go and see really who's who. Because he had everything a person would want at that time. He had title, he had position, he had money, he had the education, he had the family background. Nothing was missing in his resume. But if you can go to verse 7, <coughs> but what the, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. And that sounds so cool to say that all this that I gained, I, I counted off for loss for Christ. But if you, I read what Paul had, everything he had, it wasn't that he had little. He had a lot to say that he had. And he said, all that I have, I count it for loss for Christ. And the question is for us, how many of us can actually say in that verse 7 that I count it all for loss for Christ, for following my calling, for calling what God has called me to do? Paul had all the credentials you could ever want. If he didn't follow Christ, he would have had a great life. He was it, the cream of the crop. And he gave it all away. He turned his back on everything he had planned for his life. And Paul was a detail-oriented person. He was going to achieve it. And right when he had it, he gave it away. As I counted for loss. All for the cause of Christ. And that's the way we have to have our mindset. That's what we need to strive for as followers of Christ. To leave everything for loss for the following of Christ. But there is nothing worth more than your call with Christ. Nothing you can ever achieve. And I'm all about education and getting your degree because it does help you and that go for it. And get the house and get the car and get everything you want. But don't let it come in the way between your calling with God. Because nothing is worth more than your, than your following with Christ. Because in Christ, you have everything. Because in the love of Christ, we have everything. We have 
a relationship with God. Because come hell or high water, whatever comes my way, one thing I know for sure is greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that's one thing that Paul knew was like, I count this all for loss because I know that when I have Christ, I have it all anyways. I have everything if I have Christ. And that's what his purpose was. Was that he knew that what he had in Christ was worth more than anything. <laughs> and this is the best part too about Paul. As a Paul, I think was most, one, one of those people that when they really liked something, they had to tell someone else. Right? Um, like most people, if, you, if you're reading, like my wife likes reading books. Um, so she has a, if she likes a book, she'll, she'll go and tell people about this book that she's reading. Right? And she, you know she likes books because she like writes on it and has all kinds of stickies and anecdotes and stuff. I don't do none of that stuff. I, just, I barely read the book. Amen. But she, she likes to tell people about the books she, she read. And most of us, if we, if we like a movie, we can't help but tell someone else about the movie, but not spoil the ending enough to that way they can go watch it and we can go talk about it together. And we like food. We like to tell someone about the food we ate so they can go and taste it or they can invite us to go. We like a certain team. We, we tell someone about something that we like that we can't help ourselves with. Right? But Paul, what he loved though, the one thing that he couldn't stop talking about was the revelation that he had in Jesus Christ and how it had transformed his life. And man, that's the one thing he could not stop talking about. Because all this, because of his testimony, because of his revelation, all these people glorified God through him. So the question is how many people are glorifying God through our testimony? through what God has done in my life. How many people have come to Christ because of the testimony we have given of the power of what God has done in my life? Because see, no one's here because, my dad was no one's here because they're good looking or because they're the smartest or anything like that. We're all here because someone took the time to tell someone about, in our family about God. The only reason why I'm here is because someone talked to my grandfather about Christ. The only reason why I'm here is because someone made sure my dad went to church on Sundays. No one had to tell someone else to them to get saved, to glorify God through them. And now the question is, how many people are we telling so that they may glorify God through our testimony? But like I said, we're not called to be a selfish church. Sometimes we think the blessings that we have is just for me. But we're called to be a blessing somewhere else. Right? Sometimes we, we want to be placed in a tighter situation for us to talk to a multitude of people. But if we can't even talk to the five co-workers we have, why is it we think that God wants to call us for more bigger things? Because right? in the little you are faithful, and the more I will put you up. But we have to be willing to say, I have a revelation of something greater that I did not get from school, that you cannot learn, that you cannot buy somewhere else. I have a revelation of something that will change your life forevermore. Someone for the remedy for your situation. Someone that will save your marriage. Someone that will heal you. Someone that will rescue your kids. And that is the name above every other name. In the name of Jesus Christ. Because it is power, Paul says that the gospel is power. 
It is power. And that's what Paul had. That the same God that transformed Saul into Paul, it is the same God that we serve. And the thing is, sometimes I don't think we believe it though. But it sounds cool to say that God's the same yesterday, today, and, for, and all those great things he did before. But that was back then though. Not today. We serve a, a different version of God. Because if we truly believed that the God that Paul served is the same God that I'm serving right now, I wonder how different our testimonies would be. I wonder how is it that we can go a day at work or spend a day with our family and not tell them about the mighty, the power, and the blood that Jesus shed for us on Calvary. Right? Because we just sang a song that says that we will never know the price that, that Christ paid for us on that cross. But all that comes to the revelation that we already have. Now the question is, what are we going to do with that calling to help someone else be transformed? Because that's what God wants us to do, is to give a testimony for others to transform their lives. Because there is a world that needs answers, that wants an answer. And we have it. We have what they need. Maybe not what they want, but what they need. And we need to reveal it to them. So with that, as you, as you stand to your feet. So Paul says that he counted all for laws for this revelation that he had. And he told them, this did not come from man. This isn't a philosophy. This isn't a theorem. This isn't a concept. This is a relationship that will forever change our lives. And that's what we need more than ever is to have a relationship with God. Nothing can ever substitute that relationship with God. And the thing is, it's, I've, I had to learn this, is that yes, my, my parents have a relationship with God and that's great. My wife has a relationship with God and that's great. But with God, it's a personal one. Where it's me and him. There is no shortcuts in this. Paul had to pay a price for this revelation because we know that there was power in this. And, and as you stand to your feet, I, I open up this altar and I invite you to come to the altar to cry out to God. And sometimes we, we just need a little more push, some strength to continue forward so that we may be able to give a testimony of what God has done in our lives. And maybe we're going through some things in our lives that life has knocked us down a couple of pegs that we need to be like Paul and go back to Damascus and go back to the encounter that we once had with him to remind us that, you know what, I, I am called, that I'm struggling now, that life hasn't been perfect. But I know God has called me. I know that he knows my name. He knows my every need. And it's up to us now to fight for our calling. 
You'll be able to tell someone else how about this marvelous gift that we have and not take it for granted. The Bible says to buy the truth and sell it not. And that's what we're here. to buy the truth that you hold on to the revelation of the name of Jesus Christ because it makes all the difference in our lives. I just encourage you right now that you may just cry out to God and you just tell him to speak to your life, to speak to your heart. Maybe you need to have the reminder of your encounter with him. Or Jesus to give you boldness to speak of the marvelous thing that God has done in your life because I'm telling you, God has worked in your life. And would you just take a moment to look back at where you were a year ago to where you are now? It's all God. And we can just open up our hearts and our mouths and just cry out to God and speak his wonderful name so that we may make a difference in someone else's life. Yes, Lord, we are thankful, my God, for your revelation, for your transformative power. Oh, hallelujah, my God. We thank you, my God, for everything you've done in our lives, for keeping us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the change you've done in our lives, in our families' lives, and the change you're about to do. We thank you, my God. We thank you, Lord.
on praising him. Lift up your hands there where you're at and just say, God, I'm here. No one like you, you have a plan for There's me, Jesus. No like yes, you do, God. No like there is a motive and a plan for my life, God. There is a purpose for my life, Jesus. I did not There's come no in vain, like God. You, Lord. No one like I did you, not come in no vain, God. Oh, There's no one like you, Lord. There's, There's no a purpose in like my life, you, God. Lord. There's no one like you and all the earth. confirmation Jesus that you will never leave us never forsake us God that your promises are true God that you would be with us to the end of time we're trusting in your word Jesus that we will be that drawing card God that they may glorify you through us God Yes, Jesus, we pray, we pray, we pray, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Give Jesus a hand praise right now. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Listen, we never know the outcome. We never know the outcome. And perhaps some of us will never see the outcome. We'll never see the outcome. When Brother Isaac Barrera was preaching right now, he said that because of his grandfather, and then it came down to his father and his mother, I would like to say the following. I know both sides of his family. And I thank God, and my wife just leaned over to me, she said, you know what? If Brother Manuel Barrera would have staked it out, he wouldn't have a preacher's son. Because it passes on from generation to generation. 
It passes on from generation to generation. We got to stick with this because that's a seed in our children's lives. We've got to plant that seed. Amen. What a wonderful word. Amen. We got to stick it out. We got to sow in order to reap. Amen. I told the class this morning, it's not easy to sow. I was eight years old with my grandpa in Mexico. One day I got excited. I said, I'm going to go with you. And they didn't have no tractors, Brother Oscar. It was just oxen and, 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 and a plow. It's and a plow, yes. And he, he says, no, I don't think you should go with me. You know, I want to go. I can do that work too. Nine years old or something like that. And I, said, I can do that too. He said, it's hard work. You're going to get hot. You're going to get thirsty. Man, I was there about an hour and a half. And I said, man, I want to go back. He said, I'm sorry. I can't take you back. We're too far away from home. He said, there's a tree over there. Just go into the tree. For the rest of the day, man, it was a water bottle and just me and the water bottle. But I'm trying to tell you, it's not easy to sow. Not easy to sow. But the blessing comes in the reaping. Amen. And today we've heard it through Brother Isaac. Amen. There is a payoff. I said, we, and for us, Brother Isaac, you're a payoff to your dad. He boasts about you. He talks about you. But it's a payoff of prayers, sacrifice, maintaining. So let's strive for this church. Let's work on it. There's a payoff coming. God will reward us because he's, he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I'm not going to preach again. I felt like he got me excited, but Isaac got me excited. But hey, but we heard the word today. Amen? Uh, one of these days someone's going to come in here and say, I'm here because of brother. I'm here because of the sister. I'm here. I believe it in Jesus' name. All right, church. We heard it, so now we're going to live it. We're going to live it. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many enjoy the word? I said, how many enjoy the word?